This is Golf with Jay Delsing. A two-time All-American at UCLA. A participant in nearly 700 PGA Tour events. Seven professional wins to his credit. Over 30 years of professional golf experience. A member of the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. A Sunday morning on 101, and this is Golf with Jay Delsing. And with Jay Delsing, I'm Dan McLaughlin. We're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Our guest, and a couple of good ones, Rob Labritz, who is paired with Jay Delsing at the Ascension Charity Classic. He'll join us in hour number one. The winner of the Ascension Charity Classic, Steve Flesh, he'll be our guest as well in hour number two. But always, Jay, great to see you, and should be a fun show. Oh, Danny, these... <laughs> I can't wait to tell the, the, the listeners about the Rob LeBritz experience I had. First of all, great guy. Just a great guy. And on the first tee, man. I uh, it. Oh, and I looked over at Pearlie, and I handed my driver to him. Because <laughs> he hit it like 50 <laughs> yards from the green, D. And I'm like, hey, Pearl, you take it from here. I, I got nothing. He's like, he looks at me with like, what just happened? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm Danny. We were going... I, I, I mean, and he's playing that ugly yellow ball, you know, so you can't miss it. It's sitting there. It's 350 yards off the deep dead center of the fairway. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. Man. I mean, it, it was uh, it was something. And then Steve Flesh, I can't wait to ask him. Just look, he, he, he had some good events and had some nice events and was having a, an okay year. But to come to Norwood and shoot 19 under a closing 62, I mean, come on. On. And his son is on the bag. Which is so cool. Can't wait to ask him about that. I want to go back to the Ascension Charity Classic now. It's been uh, about a month ago. We still haven't had the final numbers coming in in terms of the charitable aspect of this and what it means for North County. We do know it's going to be in the millions, which is great. Yep. But uh, now as you reflect on it, what comes to mind is you think about playing in the tournament and, and just what the tournament meant. I know it's important to you, but, you know, it's uh, about a month ago, so... You reflect yep. on it, what comes to mind? Yeah, the, so the sting of my poor play is gone. <laughs> but you played well in day one. I did. Uh, and I, day two wasn't bad until... Yep, yep, I had a lot of good things. The the Losing two balls at Norwood, if you'd have told me that, I said my head would have lopped off. I would have bet the house on that. that I played so much with you. I, and I'm a ball hawk. You're all over it, I'm man. I'm all over I don't like you losing a ball. I don't like me losing a ball. I don't like anybody we're playing. Anyway, and then two four putts which has never happened in a round of golf before to me in my life. And so, but it, it you know what, Danny, it look, I look back at it and it's just the, there's a, I don't want to use the word overwhelming, but I just don't play anymore. And so, you, you know. Well, I, I, I'd, I'd say this, you do play, but you don't play competitive golf. Yeah. So if yeah. you, well, unless you consider playing against me, competitive yeah. golf, it of is. course well, it of is. Of course it is. But, but, but there's a big difference between the yeah. two. Tournament golf is the the ultimate litmus test. You and know, all and the you, practice that you have to put in to play at that level in that event. Right. And, and, and just, you know, so just the, the added pressure, the added stuff that I just didn't, didn't handle as well, you know, and, and then there's the exhaustion factor, which is again, uh, uh, an excuse. I know what's coming. I did the best I could to prep for it, but the three pro-ams is a lot. It's just a lot. And look, I'm not saying get rid of the pro-ams. They're the lifeblood of the event. They're awesome. 
How many people did we meet? I mean, you caddied for me and two of them, and the the guys were fantastic. But it's just a long week, and when you don't do it enough, like I I do it once every two years, it's just a lot. And I didn't, you know, I could have handled it better. I didn't. But the bottom line is, the event was a blockbuster. How many times did we, we were just playing St. Louis Country Club yesterday, and what a great golf course. Grant Masson Magnificent, and man. Thank you so much for the hospitality. And just, and, and the, the it, it's just, we had, how many people come up to us and say, this event was so awesome. Uh, we took our customers there. We, we, um, we did a thing with, with Will Salisbury and the uh, Spectrum folks at Wild Crush the other night. And it was a blast. Fireside chat. And how and Danny, how many people came up to us and said the Ascension Charity Classic was fantastic? Will himself came to me and said, We were the very first corporate sponsor. I didn't know to that. Give, and he said it and and he goes, This event has got to keep going. Our customers still talk about watching golf and the setting, and they were on 17 in a cool little amphitheater setting up there. So I'm just proud of the fact that, you know, you're part of the team, I'm part of the team, and we're small parts of the team. These guys, Tim Heitman and Maggie and, and Connor and all of the Alonzo, they're, they're, they're living it every single day. But, man, I, I'm just proud to be part of that. You thing. know, I am your pseudo agent. You know that, I know, right? I know. you got to start working a little hard. No, you do a really I, nice I, job. I get a big cut from everything you, yep. you're bringing in. That's right. So maybe I'm your your advisor. I, I'll, I'll go with advisor. So Consigliere. Be, <laughs> I'm Tom Hagen from Godfather. <laughs> um, having said that, I've got this massive title. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> next year, you need to get your ass in a cart. Okay, just yeah. do the take advantage of what is offered to you because I'm sitting there following you for the three days. The guys you're playing with are telling me get out of the way because they're going to run me over with a cart. Yeah, and I'm yeah, thinking, yeah, why isn't yeah. Jay in a cart? Yeah. Take advantage of it. Yeah, I should. I, and I and I talked about Tiger's going to do that when he comes on the Champions Tour. T- Tiger, who can yeah. you imagine if he comes out on the Champions be great. Tour? Um, we're going to start getting more security over there. It will be unreal. It will be. Unreal, but you're right. I mean, I I just feel like the way golf is meant to be played is to walk and to you know, and I get to talk to Pearly and you. But you're you're right. I I should I should have definitely been in the cart. Okay, one of the things that we love to do is go over kind of the news and notes and some of the yeah. happenings that are happening in the LPGA Tour, PGA Tour, Corn Ferry, whatever the case may be. So we just mentioned Tiger Woods. Can you explain to folks the new league that's coming? And ESPN has jumped on uh, with Tiger, and Rory McIlroy is involved, and now some bigger names on the PGA Tour saying, yeah, I want to be a part of it. I think a casual fan hears that, and they're like, well, wait a minute, I got Live, I got the PGA Tour, yep. I've got all these yep. different Asian tours, I've got yep. the Corn yep. Ferry Tour. What, what the heck is this? This is going to be a made-for-TV nighttime simulator golf league now for folks the probably most of the folks listening to us know about simulators but if you don't guys this is super cool this is you in your basement with um a huge screen that you hit into but on this screen is tremendously well done replicas of holes around the world yep and 
famous golf courses. So you can go out and play St. Andrews. You can go and play Pebble Beach. You could go out. And so, guys, the, 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 the picture of the first hole at Pebble Beach is projected up on the screen, and you can see the fairway bunker in the distance. The whole dog legs to the right. It's a little uphill. It's just absolutely awesome. And what they're going to do is do, I think, a couple of hours in the evening, and they're going to have teams. And the boys are going to sit around, and they're going to be wearing jeans and shorts and probably logos everywhere from their sponsors and they're they're going to play some some simulated golf like you would do with your buddies at you know a pub at the uh, uh, on the corner well that's what you're getting at family golf and learning center and Absolutely. I, you know we have been there uh, during the off season of golf when it's 20 degrees here and you can't go outside what are people doing for holiday parties they're calling up adam betts and saying okay we love golf we got a whole group that's going to come in here get us some beers get us some burgers and uh, get us a simulator and we're just going to have a little fun for a couple hours and i assume that will be a little bit of what we see Maybe not the beer and the burgers, but yeah. the, the simulator. And I would imagine that the technology that they're working on for this to make it work oh, for television oh, oh, will be ridiculous. It, it's going to be really cool. It'll be ridiculous. I'm really curious, Danny, to see what they do with the putting aspect of it. Because Ex- yeah, I was right now that. the putting aspect, the, the the simulators that I've been on leave a lot to be desired. But the other things are are so real to life. It's really, really awesome. And you're, what you're going to see on the screens when these great players hit is all of their numbers. Now, they're good, you're going to see spin rates, depending on how detailed they want to get to your point, um, which, is a, highly, which is a great point. It's, highly detailed. Right. It's going to be su- – you're going to look at how much spin, how much curve. They're going to say, oh, you know, Xander Shoffley just hit a 7-iron, you know, 205 yards. It had – 16 and a half uh, feet of curve from right to left on it. The spin rate was 3,300 RPMs per, you know, and you're going to look at it and you're just going to go, wow. You know, the thing is, I would say these guys are going to step up and they're going to hit it as hard as they can. No like doubt. average Joe does. Yep. Susie Q does. Here's the thing though, Jay, they already do. When they're playing real golf. hundred so percent. This is going to be no different. Right. And the funny thing is, every one of these pros, by the way, and this is this is probably what folks don't know, they have simulators in their homes, and they are practicing on these simulators, working on their spin rates, working on – because the one thing that you can do is you can look at these numbers, and when you're in the weeds at a high level like these guys are, Danny, these numbers mean a lot to them. And they know that I don't want my driver over, you know, 2,700 RPMs per minute. They, they know all this stuff. Sure. Yeah. And so, so um, they're, they're going to be super, super comfortable with what this stuff looks like. Now, again, the putting has not translated to this yet for me. I'm sure they've got new technology that's going to be different. It's going to be super, super fun. Let's stay with Tiger. One of the big stories this past week, Davis Love comes out and says, we really didn't hear from Tiger in the Ryder Cup of 2023. Right. If I had a vote, and I'm paraphrasing, if I had a vote, he's the captain moving forward at Bethpage Black, um, which is the next time the Ryder Cup will be on U.S. soil, which is just outside New York. It'll be phenomenal. The fans will be going crazy. And you could have Tiger Woods as your captain. I I love that idea. Let's bring him back full circle into the game. He's still, you know, he still moves the needle, obviously. Let's get him to be the captain of the Ryder Cup for the U.S. team. Here's what I do. Tiger? 2025 and 2020 
in twenty twenty seven. So you'd give him two runs, absolutely. And I and I and I, you you. Why go, would you do that though? You go and you whip ass, and okay. Whip ass Page Black, and then you go and figure out how to get us the cup back in European soil because it's been thirty five years. So That's give him two what, runs, absolutely. If he'll take it, he may he may he may not take one. I think he will. I do too. I get I do the feeling too. he will. Now that he's part of the PGA Players Board yep. and their council, yep. I, I think he's trying yep. to get more involved maybe yep. in different aspects of the game. Right, right. And and listen, Monahan is his job is still in jeopardy. Listen, I'm, I'm just telling you. And for him to get Tiger on the tour policy board like he did, huge move. Sure. And, and to get Tiger's influence and to get his attention, you know, because – Danny, what is Tiger? How is he spending his time and things that he absolutely is ultra uber passionate about, other than Charlie? I, I've been thinking, and, his, and being a dad. It's funny. I, I've been thinking that because he'll occasionally on social media, yeah. and I follow him, and I'm sure it's done corporately, and and it's not him hitting tweet or X or whatever right, it is now. Right, whatever but, the hell it is. Exactly, yeah. but it shows him just pitch, you know, pitching putting, doing some little things, yep. and I'm thinking, okay, well, when that's done after an hour and a half, two hours, what is Tiger Woods doing? Now, you know he's probably got any business opportunity that he wants, right. but his heart is in the game. He yep. loves to compete. He's a com- he's a competitor yes. first and foremost, Danny, and he's not driven by the dollar. Of course, it's easy to say when you're probably a billionaire already, but he's never been. That is not why he's done these things. And I don't know if you saw some of the, the you, you mentioned this, I know you saw this, because we talked about this earlier, but him him hitting some wedges out of Pebble Beach. And <clears throat> I got to tell you, it doesn't look, it doesn't look at all the same. Really? Uh, it's good. Yeah. Don't, I mean, and the guy, the guy can still play, no no doubt. But you just just watch him try to get over to his left side and, and push off on his right. And it, he tough. just looks, yep. the, the, the lower half of his body looks like, how did he make the oh, cut at the Masters? I still go back I to that. I know, I know. Just all on heart. All yeah. on heart. I mean, he didn't have much game either. No, he didn't. But he found a way. He did. And the weather was terrible. I mean, it was, yep. Yeah, it was impressive. It was, it was, and painful at the same time to watch. What do you think? Uh, the reports, I guess, said $800 million for him to join Live. Yep. And he turned that down, yep. talking about the almighty dollar right. and how it motivates some and certainly right. it motivated others to join it. But. I guess it was eight hundred million to join Live, roughly something like that, Danny. Um, they said so. I'm in the middle of the Shipnut book. I wanted to ask Shipnut you about it. Book and and it's it's um it's, it's called, called Live and Let Die, yeah. and it's um he does Alan does a phenomenal job in my opinion of setting the scene. He's talking. He does a detailed. It's not a huge, like historical deep dive into the kingdom, but he talks a lot about the hierarchy and the family and stuff like that and what's going on over there. And then documents on a on a time frame on some of the things in world events that have happened and things like that. And I found it I found it very fascinating. And one of the things that's so interesting for me, D, is that I was still playing when a lot of this stuff was still going on. So we knew that there were certain things going on behind the scenes, but, you know, none of that really affected me. I wasn't that guy. I was at, towards the end of my career. and But the Phil Mickelson thing, I mean, basically the, first, the, the biggest takeaway is that Phil almost single-handedly brought Liv down by, when, when Shipnuck released the excerpt from Phil's Rip Roaring book. You know, the first book that we had Alan on uh, about the, Love the, bi- the, the biography it's is great. a phenomenal book. And when Sk- Phil came out with the, the quote, the scary, you know, so-and-sos and all of the, all of the, 
the the excerpts. Every single guy that Liv was talking to Danny was in negotiations with bailed. DJ was their biggest catch. They needed some huge head on their mantle, and DJ was their guy because DJ had gone to number one in the world and been fluctuating back and forth with number one in the world. But he went on that run a couple years ago. Remember where he went towards the tail end of the year? Right. He won like four events and never finished out of the top six, and and one event he won by eight, and he would he just took his game to a, a, another level and separated himself. And so the, the the Saudis went after DJ, and they went after him hard. He got $150 million. He was right there to sign. Phil comes up with that, and all of a sudden, DJ comes out publicly back in the PGA Tour. Bryson DeChambeau, who negotiated with over a year to get his $130 million, pulled the, the ripcord on that too, and so did P. Reed, Patrick Reed, who, in, in, reading Patrick Reed's history and some of the things about this, this guy is just a disaster uh, off the golf course. Yep. From a personal standpoint, he's disowned his parents. He's disowned his sister. His mother is brokenhearted. He's over there winning Augusta, and his parents are watching every single putt and rooting for him and reaching out to him, and they'll have nothing to do with him. And his wife, I think it's Pauline, is just – polarizing and the stuff that they come out with on social media. It's, it's a fascinating read. It's a, it's a thin layer, Danny, of a lot of information so far. I'm 200 pages in. It's about 300 pages. I'm going to send that sucker right over to you as soon as I finish. So you can plow through it and you'll read it fast as well. It's a, it's interesting. We'll have more news on live coming up in our second segment. Our guests again, Rob LaBritz, he's coming up in hour number one. Steve Flesh in hour number two. We're going to tip our cap, and I know we're going to talk about the folks at uh, Charter Spectrum. We had a fireside chat, and if folks would love us to come out to your golf course, your event, you're looking for somebody uh, to come and fill a little time and talk some golf with you or sports in general, make sure and get us at jay at jdelsinggolf.com. But let's tip our cap. And I want to thank Colin Burnt and the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. 314-966-0303. Colin and his team are fantastic. They just hooked me up with my with my car, and uh, they, they're just really nice people over there. Charter Spectrum, Will Salisbury and his team. I want to thank Claire and Dave Castro and, and um, Ashley and, and Sam and all of those guys. Mike, they all came to Wild Crush. Lexi and the team, Karen and... The girls over at Wild Crush just knocked it out of the park. The food was fantastic. We sat on the back patio, and we talked golf, and we talked sports. I mean, I'm sitting here next to a four-time Emmy Award winner who's called Cardinal Baseball for a quarter of a century. And, guys, we have golf to talk about. We have sports in general to talk about. I'm also going to mention I'm tipping my cap to you and and Patty and Mike, and and Shannon, and all of your friends and your team for the special needs. $450,000 last Monday at Norwood Hills. I was there. You were people the honorary had, chair. People had a phenomenal time. I got to meet your cool brother, Kevin. Your cool-ass brother was there from representing Greenfelder and the community. And $450,000. We're tipping our cap to Spectrum. We're tipping our cap to you, Danny Mac, and your tournament. 21 years you've been serving this community with that tournament raised about six maybe over six right about six million bucks it's just phenomenal 
Thank you, Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. Thank you, Colin. 314-966-0303. That's my tip of the cap. And thank you to Jay Delsing. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. We're presented by Doherty Business Solutions, and we're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios. Doherty Business Solutions has been enhancing the business of our customers for the last 37 years. How do we do it? Through our expertise in technology, better use of data and analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. We roll up our sleeves and collaborate. We build applications and effectively communicate with our partner clients to bring their goals and objectives to the finish line. Our award-winning Access Point program is a community game changer. With nearly 100 students in the program, mostly young African-American females are making between $55,000 and $60,000 per year right out of high school. That's right, fifty-five dollars to $60,000 a year right after high school graduation. That's when they begin their training. CEO Ron Darty believes the talent is equally distributed, but access to that opportunity is not. So here's Access Point, providing more and more opportunity for those in and around our community. It's Darty Business Solutions. Get ready to watch the legends of golf up close when they compete at historic Norwood Hills Country Club right here in St. Louis. The Ascension Charity Classic will be back again with some of golf's greatest names. Steve Stricker, Padraig Harrington, John Daly, David Duvall, Bernard Longer, Justin Leonard, David Toms, and more will compete returning September 3rd through the 8th. Visit ascensioncharityclassic.com for information. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, any maker model, then you need to visit the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. They are the official vehicle provider of the Golf with Jay Delsing show. My daughter and I both drive vehicles supplied by Colin and the Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood. And the reason we have them is because we know we can trust them. They made the car buying experience painless and very easy. Their customer service is second to none. They provided my daughter with a loaner car when her Passat needed repairs. Every single step of the car buying experience was taken care of for us. You can reach Colin at 314-966-0303 and he will answer all of your questions and put your mind at ease. The Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood has new or pre-owned vehicles to be purchased or leased, whichever you prefer. Once you visit the Dean Team Volkswagen on Manchester and Kirkwood, you'll become a customer for life because they'll treat you like family. The Dean Team Volkswagen of Kirkwood, the official vehicle provider of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. Hi, this is Adam Best from Family Golf and Learning Center. At FGLC here in Kirkwood, we feature a double-decker driving range, two large grass tees with Tahoma Bermuda grass. You want to work on your short game? We have a short game area too, which features a 20,000 square foot green, three bunkers, and zoysia surrounds. Also at Family Golf and Learning Center, don't forget about our nine-hole par three course, the indoor trackman simulators, and our performance center. If you're looking for the best golf instruction, regardless of skill, we can help. Find out more at FamilyGolfOnline.com. That's FamilyGolfOnline.com. Family Golf and Learning Center. We make St. Louis better at golf. Are you driving an out-of-warranty car? It's only a matter of time before your out-of-warranty vehicle is in the shop costing you thousands of dollars. Auto repair costs are up nearly 20% from last year, which is four times the rate of inflation. If an unexpected breakdown happened today, would you be ready for that? Well, now you can be with a plan through CarShield. 
Even if your car is just over three years old, it's still prone to expensive costs. Your car is more than just getting you from point A to point B. Traveling by car is a way of life. From picking up your kids to going to a new restaurant, cars are a daily essential. When you enroll in a car protection plan through CarShield, you can look forward to the following. The price will never go up no matter how many claims you file or no matter how high the mileage on your car increases. CarShield offers protection plans that start as low as $100 per month. That's $100 per month. They have repair coverage for up to 5,000 different parts of your vehicle. Plus, when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road, you get 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance. You also get complimentary towing and rental car options. CarShield has my back when my car breaks down, and they can have yours too. Call CarShield today at 800-465-6550 or visit carshield.com. It's CarShield, proud sponsor of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show. Golf with Jay Delsing on a Sunday morning on 101 ESPN with Jay Delsing, who played in over 700 PGA Tour events. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Rob Labritz is coming up. He was paired with Jay at the Ascension Charity Classic. Also, the man that won the Ascension Charity Classic, Steve Flesh, will be our guest. I mentioned going to break that there's more news with Liv. I found it really interesting. They officially denied world golf ranking points right. for the Lib players. Right. So that's going to have an impact on a lot of different things coming up in the Absolutely. world of golf. Absolutely. Danny, I was I was really interested to see and read the you know, I'm in the weeds on this stuff. I love reading all this information and I'm I was really interested to see did did they deny them because the PGA Tour and the PGA of America and everybody railed against them or did they take an honest look at this thing and say Here's why you're not getting it. And the biggest reason why they didn't get it, from my take, was because there's no clear entry to get on this tour. It's a bunch of wealthy guys that are picking and choosing people. And, and I mean, listen, what? what, what I mean, so you're a kid and you're going to grow up and go, Man alive, I hope I can somehow one day play on the lift tour. Oh, yeah, Joey, you could play on the lift tour. How, Dad? How do I get on? <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it sounds so stupid, but it's really that simple. You take any other tour, the Asian tour, whatever you want, and there's a clear, not easy way. You play better. You go over there, you go through the qualifying school, you stay exempt, you do X, Y, and Z, and it's you earn it. I, I agree with you to an extent. However, being a golf fan, I miss seeing the big names. And so I hate it. So here it is. We we're in the we're in the sports entity of, of life, but really at the at the end of the day, it's about entertainment. And I want to be entertained. Yep. That means I want to watch Phil Mickelson. I want to see DJ. Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau was very vocal this past week. He said, you're not going to take the top 12 off a live and let them compete in the four majors. He said, that's insane. And, and that there's val. I think there's validity to what he's saying, because at the end of the day, I don't care what sport you're talking about. This is entertainment. I agree. And, and listen, I, uh, I, 
and I hope this doesn't sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but Danny, you, you guys chose to leave. You took the money and I don't, we've already talked about this. Don't begrudge him for doing it. Absolutely. But you, if, if this were the case, you could have six of these live tours around with, with people with excessive and amounts of money. that's a valid point, too. And you're like, well, wait a minute. How how do we play on your tour? Now, this is the XYZ tour, and we got these three billionaires got together and said, we don't care. We're just going to – we're going to upfront this thing, and we got – you know, we got 20 guys playing on our tour. I mean, look, look, look figure out a way. Go back – Figure out a way. It's it's not hard. You've got all of these examples. Do some sort of qualification. Do some sort of you know you need to be you need to be in the top thousand in the world, and then you go through this. You play these set up three, four, five, six, eight tournaments and have a series, and the top three point getters get a. You have to have a way to funnel to earn your way onto the tour, not just because they want you. I don't know if you saw this. Speaking of earning your way on the tour, but there was a player on the uh, Corn Ferry. I knew you were going to break this. Yeah, I, and I oh. want you to explain to fans out there how it works. So clean yep. in place. Yep. Clean in place. Yep. Lift clean in place. Yep. So yep. there was, <laughs> there, well, first of all, there was one that I sent you that was gut-wrenching. He missed an eight-foot putt and missed, right. missed the cut. Or miss the 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 court. If he makes it, he gets his PGA Tour card. Eight footer. Yeah, eight footer missed it. But there was also a gentleman. They went back and looked, lift clean in place, yep. and didn't put it in the identical spot of where he was at. Yep, so yep, yep. you know, go through. First of all, you yep. do it on a soggy fairway. Yep. Your ball plugs, whatever yep. the case may right. be. So explain then what happens and why he took the, uh, I think it was two-shot penalty on that. Yeah, so typically speaking, when we're playing lift, clean, place, D, it's because we got inclement weather that's come in and it's swamped a place, okay? So imagine we're going to still play. And I've played on places that you're like, it's not even golf. And I said, I know. We're plowing through this thing, and we're going to get this thing finished. So you lift, clean, and place, so you get to – so that that just allows you to not have to hit your ball out of a puddle of water. However – there have been occasions where there's been no dry spots around and you're still hitting it out of this swampy, you know, crappy lie where the ball could go anywhere. So what happens is you you figure out where your ball is. You always mark your ball in its original spot. You always mark your ball in its original spot. And then you try to find an area that doesn't have standing water, okay? And it has to be the nearest point without going closer to the hole. You can never go closer to the hole. On the rare occasions, Danny, that there's nothing around, they'll move you closer to the hole incrementally, insignificantly. But but that's done with a with a rules official. Okay, so you're you're allowed to have your lift clean in place. So you get the you mark your ball, you pick it up, clean all the mud off it, and then you can place it on your lie. It's it's a hell of an advantage around the greens and stuff. Let me ask you this though. If your ball plugs, so yep. let's say it's in half an inch into yep. the ground, yep. you're saying go back to your original lie. So if it's if if you have that hole, are you able to bring up the yep. hole a little bit? And you're, it's almost no, so like, you just so when you're lift clean in place, you can place it as close to that as you want, but it doesn't have to be embedded. Okay, so that's the embedded ball rule, and that's through the green. So if the ball breaks the surface, and we were talking about Patrick Reed, and this is where he broke the rules exactly. Tory Pines, where his clear his ball bounced into this lie, and he picks it up, which is what he shouldn't have done, and. 
the ball needs to break the surface of the ground so it sits in like a little cupcake or a crater, okay? And if it's not, play it. And that's what Patrick Reed should have done. And he, anyway, so, so Danny, <clears throat> you get a club length from that area. And if you drop it outside of that club length or it goes closer to the hole, you broke the rule. Mm. And it's, you know, there's no way in hell he was trying to get away with anything. He wasn't trying. But sometimes you just, your mind races. You're going, you're, you're into the moment. You're like, I'm competing. I'm doing this. And you, I'll tell you what I did. I was playing in Kansas City. And we are, it was horrible uh, summer thunderstorms. And the first two days, we played lift, clean, in place. Third day, lift, clean, in place. Get out on, on Sunday, no lift, no lift, clean, in place. I went down the first fairway, picked my ball up. My so, caddy looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm, I'm breaking the rules. <laughs> you know, so he's like, why'd you pick your ball up? I'm like, we've been doing it the last three days, and I just did it out of habit. I call the rules official. He's like, it's a one-shot penalty. I, I stuck, picked it up, put it back where it was, hit it a foot from the hole. Nice par. Wow. My caddy looks at me, and he's like, I'm like, I know. <laughs> Idiot. It just, it's just, just, you know, pissed away a shot there. But but that, that happened. You, you'd be shocked at how often that happens. If there's an occasion where, so when you get a lift clean in place and you're near the green, Danny, you can go from the rough onto the fringe as long as you don't go near the hole. That's a massive advantage because you can go from high, gnarly, thick, wet rough to a place where you can putt makes a massive difference. And so every once in a while, you'll get an angle and you'll go, and I'll bring another player over and go, you comfortable with this? And it's like, eh, yep, that's no problem. Or he'll say, no, man, that's closer. And I'm like, yeah, it's right. So whenever I've been even close to on the, I'll always go back, always go back, always take, I don't want, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want someone going, you know, that looked kind of questionable. Uh, no. Well, this gentleman misses by a stroke because he got penalized yep. and it cost him his PGA Tour card, which leads me to this. Rob Labritz will be our guest. And you were paired with him at the Ascension Charity Classic Day 1. Q School is really, really tough on the Champions Tour. Impossible. So explain that. And Rob has had to go through some of this. And it's you know it's admirable to go through it and to, to qualify and to be on these events, man. It's tough to do. It's unbelievable. So there's only five cards awarded. So you're going into a tournament where there's 80... Is it 83? Whatever it is. There's somewhere around I it was 80, 83. Yeah, there's somewhere around 80, 80 people, and you have to finish in the top five. That's it. Six, you're out. There's no, like, oh, you finish seventh, you're going to be. Nope. Nope. It's top five. And Rob went and won that school by three. And that's just balling, Danny. That's just playing your butt off, and that's just heart, and he's been preparing for this. I talked to him about it while we were playing. I'm like, dude, you made it through the senior qualifying school tournament. That is the the Everest of all sports. That's it's it's harder than back in the day. I had a, I have a I've got a great record through qualifying school tournaments. I killed it in the qualifying school tournaments. Tons of pressure, six rounds, and I made it through like seven of eight times. I mean, I had a really really good record, but there were. 20 and 30 cards being given, not five. Yeah. Five leaves a razor's edge, man. You lip a putt out or you you get a bad bounce and you're gone. I want to ask him, and I'm going to ask you, 
when you're paired with somebody on that level and the competition is so tough, your concentration level has to be through the roof. And you're a talkative guy. Everybody knows that. you got two hours to fill on Sunday morning, so we know you love to talk. <laughs> How much did you guys talk? So, Rob Labritch, you talked a little bit. Yep. Next day, Maria Olathabel, you're, you're with him. I didn't see you guys chit-chat much nope. in day two. No. So, it, it's kind of different, isn't it, with it certain players that you play with that you know, hey, we can have a conversation, how's family, how's life, that yep. kind of thing. Yep. Maybe how's golf. Right. And uh, with other guys, it's just not the case. No, Danny, spot on. And that and look, at that inf- that influences how the day goes. And you, you pretty much get an idea after two or three holes. Especially, I don't know, Rob Labritch from Adam. He came up to me, introduced, said he was a fan of mine. And I'm like, fan of mine? You know, anyway, he couldn't have been nicer. And I said, man, congratulations on getting through the school. I'm really looking forward to playing with you today. And you can help me find my ball. And he, he's just, so we, he's like, I got it. I got you. I got, I got young eyes. I'm like, I'm sure you do. But Danny, I got out there. I was blown away at the game he had. And I also played with Richard Green, who's a guy I didn't know from Adam. And in fact, I'm sad to say that I'd never even heard of him. He had played his entire career on the European tour and he just turned 50. And there's another guy you can watch. He's got tons of game. The next 10 years, Richard Green and Rob LeBritz are going to be robust on the Champions Tour and make a ton of money. Good they for them. Just, absolutely. They've earned it. They're earning every dollar. The other thing I want to ask him, and we'll wrap up the segment with this, just his reaction to Norwood, yeah. playing at Norwood. Yeah. And now that we're a month away, I guess, from the, the final tee shot that we saw at the Ascension, there's still, and you and I, as you always say, we're in the weeds on this, and we read things, we talk to people that are involved with the Ascension, and we're not just saying this, but there are glowing reviews of what people are saying, the players themselves, about playing in Norwood Hills. Yeah, no doubt, and how about this? Where were, I can't remember where, oh, we were at your fundraising golf tournament for special needs kids, and how, how many people talked about the Pro-Am party? Now, folks... Golf is one thing, and getting the best players over 50 to come out and put on a show is one thing. A party? Everybody's been to a great wedding. Everybody's been to some. This gala great. that they put on was off the charts. It was like a wedding on steroids. It was the, the ice sculptures and <laughs> yeah. all of the food, the seafood was just incredible. Yep, we, we heard that. I think I heard that twice over at Norwood with your with it's your uh, it's your fundraiser, which was on Monday, and Norwood should be commended by the way because that is already getting back in shape with all the people that were out there walking all over the place. Mike, no, you wouldn't really know that, that Mike, there was no. a major event that was held there about a month ago. How about the grass that he's growing already? I don't know how this guy does that, but I mean, Danny, those bleachers just beat the hell out of that turf over yes. there. And he's already got grass coming up. It's pretty cool. Yep. So he Rob, does a great job. Rob Labritz is coming up. Also, Steve Flesh, who won the Ascension Charity Classic. We'll visit with Rob in our next segment. And we're brought to you by Darty Business Solutions as we come to you from the Car Shield Studios. I'd like to welcome I Promise to the Golf with Jay Delsing show. What is I Promise, you ask? It's a St. Louis-based company with the most clinically backed eye health performance supplement brand with over 20 years of eye health expertise and nutrition science. It's all natural and their cutting edge science and technology has helped I Promise forge many exciting new golf partnerships like with the PGA of America, the Titleist Performance Institute, the Ledbetter Academy, and many more. Perhaps the most exciting component for me is that all of this new improvement is measurable. 
I can tell you that in my case, my initial score was around 0.25. And after taking the I Promise product for two plus months, my score soared to almost 0.60. It had more than doubled. I can now read the greens better because I'm not really dealing with as much glare and trying to manage that and I squint much less when I'm playing golf. And you don't have to take it from me. Check out what Padraig Harrington has to say about this product. He is playing some of the best golf of his career in his early 50s, and he swears, I promise, has helped improve his short game. Check out I Promise. That's I Promise, the company helping us to see better, play better, and live better. Visit them at ipromise.com. Family Golf and Learning Center. No matter your age or skill level, Family Golf and Learning Center, located in Kirkwood, has something for you. They've got it all. PGA and LPGA instruction, double-decker driving range, par-3 golf course, trackman simulators, a large short-game green designed to help you with all your shots around the green, bunkers, rough, and Zoysia fairway pitching. And now open the Tahoma Bermuda Grass Tees, the best turf to hit from in St. Louis. It's all at Family Golf and Learning Center. To schedule a lesson or to find out more, visit FamilyGolfOnline.com. That's FamilyGolfOnline.com. Family Golf and Learning Center. We make St. Louis better at golf. Do you remember the golden rule? I'm sure you do, but just in case it goes like this. Treat people the way that you'd like to be treated. At People's National Bank, that one statement is the cornerstone of what this bank is all about. Locally owned with 23 locations in Southern Illinois and the metropolitan St. Louis area, People's National Bank parlays a robust menu of commercial or personal banking services you could possibly need with a friendly yet hardworking Midwestern attitude. Maybe you just wanna do business with a bank whose entire team lives in the same neighborhoods as we do. If you're like me and doing business with someone you trust is important to you, then People's National Bank is the bank for you. Jason Rantham, local president, is here for you to call and he'll answer any questions you may have. His personal cell is 314-974-2243. You can also find us online at peoplesnationalbank.com. People's National Bank is here for all of your banking needs. Hey, St. Louis, Eddie McVeigh here from Maggie O'Brien's. When you head downtown for a concert or cards or blues game, and now for the St. Louis City soccer game, please come see us at Maggie O'Brien's before and after your event. Take our shuttle to and from or stay in-house and watch your favorite team on our multiple high-def TVs. We look forward to seeing you soon at one of our two locations in Sunset Hills on South Lindbergh or downtown at the corner of Market and 20th Street. Union Station is next to us. Did you know that Marcone is the largest distributor of General Electric appliance parts in North America? That's right, Marcone does that. Did you know that their worldwide headquarters are located right here in St. Louis? Well, if you didn't know that, then you'll know it now because CEO Jim Sowers is a philanthropic force in our community. Besides the most recent Marcone military and first responders viewing deck at the Ascension Charity Classic, which by the way, was a huge hit here and has been copied at other PGA Tour and PGA Tour Champions events, Marcone has purchased and donated many vital service dogs for our wounded military heroes, which helped them transition back into society after sustaining catastrophic battlefield injuries. Jim and Marcone also support the backstoppers, the police and the firefighters, the local naval organizations, and many, many more. Marcone, the company that calls St. Louis home, 
that always strives to improve and enhance our community in so many different ways. That's Marco. Coming to you from the Car Shield Studios. We're presented by Darty Business Solutions with Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and it truly is our pleasure to welcome in Rob LeBritz. And I know this is somebody, uh, Jay, you've been looking forward to visiting with. Oh, absolutely, Rob. Welcome to the show, man, and thanks so much for joining us. Jay, thanks for having me. Dan, nice to meet you. Yeah, looking forward to uh, to chatting with you. You bet we are. Well, I, I had this, and I mean this, uh, supreme pleasure getting to play with you the first round at the Ascension Charity Classic. But first of all, thanks so much for coming to St. Louis. Give us your impression of the tournament, Rob, and, and Norwood, and, and, and just your experience. Oh, well, first of all, the tournament is, is awesome. I mean, all the Champions Tour events, you know, me being a, almost a new guy out here. I love every event, but going to St. Louis and playing at Norwood country club. I mean, Norwood's, Norwood's a hidden little gem there, uh, which is nice. What a, what a cool shot makers golf course that you got to kind of work your way around. Uh, you know, and it was cool playing with, you know, the St. Louis legend there, Jay Delsing too, on the first, uh, on the first day, we had some nice crowds out there. It was kind of cool to, you know, it's uh, amazing there. by the way, Rob, he says on the first tee, you pipe one down there and he says, are you kidding me? Who are these guys hitting at 50 yards past me? And so, I said to my caddy, there, I said, well, I said, Pearly, I said, Pearly, you take over from here. There's <laughs> nothing here for me. <laughs> well, you know what? You you played pretty solid that first round. I think you shot two under, correct? I did. I did. I say, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, um, for a guy who who presumably doesn't play a lot, you you has, <laughs> he had a pretty damn good game out there. Well, thank you. I I uh, I appreciate you helping me find my ball, and um, and and it was a blast playing with you and Richard. I was so Im- impressed with your game, and you know, one of the things, Rob, that I love as a player, and I wanted to get your thoughts is all of the hospitality and and stuff that's out there that is not a given on the Champions Tour. The back night at Norwood's really fun to play in front of those people for me yeah they have uh, they had some great stands that's probably one of the bigger stands you know that we have besides kind of some of the senior majors out there you go senior open and stuff um so the crowds get really you know big and behind you which is awesome uh and st louis crowds are great i mean they they cheer for the good shots they uh you know they don't say much when you hit the bad ones um <laughs> but it, you know it's a great group of people out there and you know the pro-ams are great um it's just a cool place to hang out. It really is. Well, it's over a, the years, it's a fun place to play day in and day out. Well, Rob, over the years, you've qualified for the PGA Championship eight times, finishing as low PGA professional in 2010, I believe in 2019 as well. Uh, you've been a three-time Met PGA Player of the Year. So, you know, while you've enjoyed the, your time, I'm sure, on, on the, the Tour Champions, but uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, and building up to get to that point to compete with guys like Jay Delsing and others that we saw here in St. Louis a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, I appreciate that one. I, you know, I fell in love with the game of golf uh, at a young age. Um, I was, I was probably four or five years old. My, my parents lived in a, on a place, uh, a little executive par three golf course in Southington, Connecticut. And I just fell in love with the backyard green <laughs> there. We were on the eighth hole. So I used to chip and putt and, and just kind of fell in love with the game. Um, so I always wanted to play it. Um, I played, you know, I played pretty good in, in Connecticut. We won state high school championship, uh, up there. And then my parents moved me down to South Florida, uh, when I was a junior in high school in like 1987, uh, big move for me. So we, we moved down there. I got to play a lot of golf and got a lot of scholarship offers to, to colleges. 
I ended up going back to Central Connecticut State for a semester and a half, and I found it way too easy to skip class and hit golf balls. <laughs> I was, nobody was watching me do my studies, so I, I would just wear out the golf balls, and I probably drank too much beer. But um, you know, So you were like every other golf. college yeah, kid. I, we could all relate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I had the discipline to kind of stick it out and finish out my, my college. That's the one thing, you know, kind of in my life that I always like, kind of look back and was like, ah. But on the other hand, it turned out okay. But um, so after that, you know, I, I kind of got into some of the mini tours. I was playing the JC Goosey tour and my mom, who was a great lady, she's intensive care nurse for 50 some odd years. She said to me, she goes, you know, honey, she goes, you're probably going to be the greatest player that ever walked better than Jack Nicholas. She goes, but if you ever get injured, she goes, you're not really going to have much to stand on. So she goes, there's this thing called the PGA of America. She goes, and you can work at a club and she goes and get your PGA membership card and, and run a club. If something ever doesn't happen to you or something happens to you. My mom was a forward thinker. So, uh, so I got a job down in South Florida um, at this place called Monarch Country Club in 1991 and, you know, kind of fell in love with kind of the business a little bit of it. And I still played a ton. So yeah, I had, I was, it was like best of both worlds. Um, all the jobs that I usually had, you know, the head pros were like how much I played and they, they liked that I had some games. So, um, you know, I kind of rose up that way and got to be known as a player. Uh, my dad passed away in 97, um, did some stupid things for about a year and got my life back on track when I went to Shinnecock. And three years later, we opened up Glen Arbor Golf Club. And um, I've been there ever since, director of golf, 23 years, high and private place in Westchester County. It's phenomenal. So now we're a year and a half into the Champions Tour, and we're we're learning, you know, every time that I play out there, I get a chance to play with some of the greatest, like Jay and Ernie Yells and Bernhard Langer, and it's it's talk about being thrown into a a great frying pan of learning uh, i'm just welcoming every second of it. it's 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 been a dream of mine my entire life you know well rob what do you pick up from those guys what what do you see You've been around golf all your life what what is the difference between those top players and, and you know people that are trying to make it on the tour what's the difference what do you see well obviously there's a lot of talent uh you know level there's talented people all over the place um you know it seems to me for the year and a half that I've been out there and, and all the majors that I've played that if people don't get too wrapped up in, in the game, what I mean by that is, you know, you, I've learned over the last you know year and a half that, you know, you can care too much. You can try too hard. All the things that, that golf kind of pushes out into you, you can happen. It's really just about the shot that you're playing. <laughs> I mean, it's in simplest terms, you, you just got to go out there and you got to hit that one shot at the one time that you got, it's your first shot of the day. And you got to get that sucker in play. And then once you get that thing in play, you got to get that thing on the green. Uh, and then once you get it on the green, you got to make a putt. So it's sort of one of those things where it's all about the one shot that you're on. And if you think past, you're kind of you're not doing yourself any service. And if you think forward, you're definitely not doing yourself any service, uh, unless it's a, a bigger picture sort of thing. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I've learned is just stay calm and. And, you know, not get so wrapped up. And if you hit a bad shot, hit a bad shot. you got to have the tools to, to get up and down. So you better have a great short game. You better be able to putt. And then just stay calm out there. If, I, if anybody could just stay calm and just get the negative thoughts out of their brains, which is hard to do, <laughs> I know you'll, you'll probably play some pretty good golf. Rob, one of the things that I want to – I don't want to skip over is the Met section is a badass section in terms of players. you got a lot of good players – also, you've got great venues up there. Yeah, the Met section is, I mean, we are, we are blessed to have some unbelievable golf courses. I mean, major championship venues 
from Wingfoots to Shinnecocks to Quaker Ridges to, you know, the hidden gems like Glen Arbor. Um, it's a plethora of unbelievable golf, fabulous shape, uh, and tons of competition. The Metropolitan Golf Association and the Metropolitan Section PGA, they run fabulous events up in that area. I did it for 20-some-odd years, 27 years, and that's what kind of prepared mm. me, you know, for this Champions Tour run that I'm kind of having, which is kind of nice. It's all because of those events that we've played in, and PGA of America, of course. Rob, as you mentioned, uh, Rob Labritz is our guest. You've been preparing your entire life to to do what you're doing now. What was that first moment like where you kind of looked around and you go, man, I'm out here too. This is pretty cool. Was there something that really stuck with you or somebody you played with that really just kind of blew you away? You know, not really. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I played in a bunch of majors and I, I always tried to play with the with the top guys, the Dustin Johnsons, the, you know, the Keegan Bradleys, the Jason Duffners, the, you know, the Tommy Fleetwoods. I always tried to play with the best players because I wanted to see, you know, what their games were like uh, and what my game kind of stacked up against because, you know, as a club pro, you're playing with other club pros and, you know, uh, it's great to play with club pros, but, you know, club pros are club pros. They, they, they work for a living. They're very talented, but they're not putting all their efforts into their golf game. <laughs> when you play for a living, you put all your effort into the golf game, which it's just a different animal. I, there's no disrespect. I'm still, you know, I'm 31 year club pro. I, I just know that I've put a lot more time in my game the last year and a half than I ever have in my life. <laughs> so I think that just happens when you have the time to be able to do it. I've got to talk about the Q school. So for folks that don't know this, when the, the champions tour qualifying school happens at the end of the year and there's, they only give away five spots. I mean, if you told me that I had to finish in the top five anywhere, if my game wasn't in top shape, I won't. I don't even know if I'd enter. That's how difficult it is to plan on finishing in the top five. And you did that. Take us through that. There's got to be some fun stories involved and some super pressure-packed moments. Yeah, you know it's funny, Jay. They, <laughs> I'm so glad that I found found out how hard it was to get through Q school after I did it. Because if if I had heard all this stuff probably before, I don't know what could have happened. But I went out there. I had 18 years of kind of just sitting around and, and telling myself that I wanted to play the champions tour and would work on my game, would work out, would sit, you know, sit in the spin classes, would do my visualization, would meditate at night. I do all the things that I needed to do to kind of get it done. You know, going through Q school, I just, I just figured out, I mean, I was director of golf. I figured I'd go, I prepared myself the best of my ability. I said, go there, play my hardest and see what happens. You know, I, I got out to, to a good first stage. I, I double bogeyed or, or made double bogey on the last hole, the senior club pro, I think to kind of put myself, you know, out of, um, having to go, th I had to go through two stages of champion star Q school. So, you know, I, sh I finished sixth, I think in that, and the top five got through to finals. So I went into that first stage and, and got paired with, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of good players and, um, you know, shot 15 under and finished, I think second or third in that first stage. And then, uh, that gave me a ton of confidence, you know, kind of going into, you know, finals. And I knew that if I could just kind of one shot it at a time, I'd be okay. And I found myself in really good position, you know, going into the final, going into the final day, you know, the night before that round was, it was the craziest night of my life besides when I had my thyroid removed. Oh, I mean, wow. I, I, wow. Went through, I went through, I mean, I was, I was on the ground praying to God. I was crying. I was laughing. I was calling all my tour friends who ever won a tournament you know, how, what do I do? How do I, how do I do this? I got one day left. I want this so bad, you know? And <laughs> when I tell you I'm sitting there on my knees praying to God, 
that's the truth. Okay. Wow. I promised to talk to him for hours that night. I was so nervous. Everybody said the same thing. They though, they said the same thing to me. They said, Rob, just go out there, smile and have a good time. You, you, you know, you work your ass off. Just go out there, smile and have a good time. So then my wife, my, I called my wife and, and my wife said she, her and my son gave me the best advice of, of all. My, my wife knows I love to talk to people. She knows that when I'm out there, I like to, you know, I'm hitting golf balls or if I'm, you know, walking up and down the fairways, I like to engage with people. That's just the way I am. I, I love it. So she goes, honey, she goes for this round. She goes, I want you to do me a favor. And I said, anything. She goes, she goes, I want you to put your head down. And she goes, I don't want you to talk to anybody. She goes for one round. She goes, if you, when you make yourself through this round, she goes, you'll be able to talk to all the people that you want. She goes, just go out there. She goes and shoot under par and see what happens. So I, you know, I get up the next morning and, and, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a whole backstory to this uh, to a friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Andy Adcock, <laughs> and this kind of, this will, I can't believe I left Andy out, but in the first stage going into the final round, I, I chatted with him, uh, in the second round, he was standing by the, by the tee box, kind of talking to some of the golfers, watching us go through. And, um, we get to the final round and, and he's standing out by my cart and my caddy, and this is in first stage. And, and he said, Rob, he goes, you know, you came over and talked to me yesterday. He goes, I just wanted you to know that I looked you up and he goes, and and you seem like a really good guy. He goes, I prayed for you. He goes, I, I think you're going to do well today. And I said, gee, Andy, thanks a lot. You know, he, he kind of just came over. He goes, I don't want this to be weird or anything like that. He goes, I just want you to know that I prayed for you. And I said, that's not weird. I said, that's awesome. Thank you. You know? So I went out and played good, you know, that final round first stage. And then of course we go into the final round, second stage and we're at TPC Tampa Bay. And I walk out to my cart who's standing there, but my friend, Andy, who I haven't seen since first stage. And he goes, Rob, he goes, I'm here today because I want you to know that I prayed for you. <laughs> mm. And he goes, wow. and I said, wow, Andy, you showed up. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know what? He goes, I figured you could use a prayer and, and, you know, introduce me to his wife. And he goes, just go out there and have fun. Um, and I went out there and I, I shot a bogey free 64, um, in wow. the final round and, you know, with three holes to go, I didn't know how well I was playing. I swear, I swear to you, I was so focused on one shot at a time that I turned to my caddy with three holes to go. Cause that's all I wanted to know with three holes to go. And my caddy at the time, Todd was hard of hearing. I said, Todd, you know, how are we doing? <laughs> he, goes, Bro. he goes, you got three. And I said, Oh my gosh, I got three shots out of the top five. So, okay. Okay. I better, I better focus. Let's make some pars here. So he turns and turns to me like 30 seconds later. And he goes, no, Rob, because you, you got a three shot lead. He goes, you're eight under today. And I turned to him and I said, well, I know I'm making birdies. I said, but we're eight under. He goes, dad, dude, you're eight under par. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So I said, let's just, he goes, just hit the fairway these last three and hit the last three greens, make three pars. And he goes, and let's get the F out of here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Keep doing what uh, you're doing, man. <laughs> and that's what yeah so i did that and um actually on the last hole i hit a nine iron from from 190 yards that flew over the green um and i had to get up and down but i did get up and down and it was just it was the hap- one of the happiest moments of my life i mean i you know I, it was crazy I I bet. The, video. So, I bet. the first time that i had ever heard your name seen your face the smile the whole thing was I just, I, I'm not a golf channel guy, but I happen to have it on and I, and they were showing, you know, you coming in and I think you had just won the, um, the, the finals. And there was, I think it, there was a moment there, Rob, I think where it hits you like, holy smokes, man. 
this is what I just did. And I think you, you broke down a little bit. There was, there's a hell of a lot of celebrating. There was laughter, tears, the whole thing, like you explained. And it was one of those moments where you're like, this is what is so cool about sports. And it really is when you see someone that's put their mind to something and gone through so much, and then you get them on the other side and you get to see the humanness of it. That was the, the humanness was brought out by my friend, Lewis Kelly. He, uh, he came over, I hadn't seen Lewis um, in probably a year or so, and he came over just to see me finish, and I had a bunch of friends there. All my college roommates were there, and my college friends uh, from CCSU. It was, it was awesome. I had a great contingent of people. But Lewis gave me a hug, and he said, man, you sacrificed a lot to get here. <laughs> and as soon as he said that to me, that's when, that's when it, I mean, that's when the faucet turned on, and I just, I had to call my wife, because part of my envisioning of winning Q school was me making that phone call to my wife Yeah, and telling her that we did it. And, you know, to this day, I still get choked up for it. Cause I'm just so grateful. <laughs> I bet you are. Hey, hey, Rob, you've been around the game, as you mentioned forever. So I'm going to change subjects here. So you don't cry on the air. We don't want you to cry. <laughs> we don't, want you to get too we don't care though. We can cry. Do Go ahead. You're good. <laughs> but, uh, how has the game evolved as you look at it now from when you first started and you're teaching and doing various things. Now you're playing it and competing at a high level. How has the game evolved in a general sense? Well, I mean, you know, we start out with persimmon drivers and a lot of balls, you know? So, um, I mean, it's evolved to a, to a point where the technology is so good. The training is so good with the body. The, the instruction is so good with all the guys out there, the top hundred and all the people that are, are connecting to, to make all the teachers and coaches and, uh, you know, better. It's, um, you have access to, to stuff since when you're a little person now, I mean, as a young child coming up to, to get good drive, chip and putt, you got tons of avenues to play golf. It is just awesome. It's the third largest industry, I believe on the planet golf. And, you know, it's, it's got to the point where it's so lucrative, um, especially if you get out there and you become a Victor Hovland or somebody like these guys, I mean, they're making, you know, millions of dollars. It's just evolved to the point to where it's a, it's a business. Um, but I also think that, you know, I see a lot of it and I don't see a lot of people, you know, the young people really having fun when they're kind of getting out here. You know, it's really serious. <laughs> so I think the, you know, having so much online, you know, or, or so much at, on the line, so to speak, you know, people take it too seriously instead of just remembering that it's a game. And if you have fun with it, you'll probably make a pretty good, good living at it as long as you dedicate yourself to it. But it, I mean, the technology, everything's changed. That's what makes it so great. Rob, you know, what's really neat from my seat is to watch people from different walks and different, take different paths to get out uh, to the champions tour or the, you know, the regular PGA tour. Tell us a little bit about how you feel like your maybe even Glenn Arbor, how, how that helped you. I mean, because the, the player that you are now is outstanding and it's people need to know how well you can play. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. My, my club, the owners of my club, the Gregory's um, and the Tories were always behind me as a club pro and a director of golf. They, you know, when we hired team, we hired people to like their strengths. So it was, it was a really good environment um, to, to grow my golf game. And it was a, they, they wanted me to play. They, they welcomed it and I, and I did well. So when I did well, they, you know, they would, they would celebrate it. It was a nice thing. It wasn't like a, a thing where, Oh, he's going to play again. I can't believe he's leaving again where I hear a lot of club pros get that. So that's, and you know, obviously the, the, 
the facility that we have with the you know six acres of short game our indoor outdoor teaching facility it's open all year round and our golf course is just it's a gary player signature it's fabulous so you know all those tools uh, especially for me being up north in the winter helped uh, keep my game sharp because what I would do is I would, you know, I would teach for 40 hours a week, one week, and then I would go down and play the PGA tournament winter series for a week. I'd come back and I teach for 40 hours, go back down and play, you know, two more events. So I kind of went back and forth, you know, during the winters to kind of keep my game sharp. So when the season rolled around, I could qualify for the club pro. And, and my, my ultimate goal was, was always to top 15 into the PGA championship like Michael Block did um, a few weeks ago. But uh, he beat me to that one. <laughs> well, Rob, Rightfully so. <laughs> we, we can't say thank you enough for jumping on. And your story is remarkable. It's inspiring. And uh, thanks for doing this. We certainly appreciate it and look forward to seeing you back in St. Louis uh, next year. I appreciate it, Dan. Thanks. Nice to meet you, Jay. It was really great playing with you. And anytime you guys want to talk golf, I'm happy to do so. Rob, tell our, our listeners real quick how they can follow you, because I know you've got a, a, a few outlets there. So they can follow me through LinkedIn, uh, Rob LaBritz, um, Twitter, uh, Rob LaBritz Golf, Instagram, Rob LaBritz Golf. And I think that new one, um, Threads, I don't have anything out yet, but you can do something on there and pretty much any platform. Just type in my name. I don't have It's either Rob LaBritz or Rob LaBritz Golf and, and see if I'm there. I'm happy to get back at you or, or to you if you have any questions and, you know. Uh, social media is fun for me out on the road because it gives me something to do. I look forward to my free lesson uh, coming up at the Ascension Charity Classic next year when uh, you come through town. So thanks for committing to that for me. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Just let me know what part of the game you're going to uh, need the help. All of it. All of it, Rob. It's all of it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Rob. We really appreciate it. You got it, guys. Uh, great being on with you. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. That's La- uh, Rob LaBritz, and this is coming to you from the Car Shield Studios, and we're brought to you by Darty Business Solutions. WXOS, WXOS HD1 East St. Louis, 101 ESPN, is driven by Auto Centers Nissan, home of the lifetime warranty and 30-day return. Redbird Heating and Cooling sponsors the Veterans Vocational Apprenticeship Program. Jed, the CEO and former Marine, will teach, mentor, and sign off on educational and mechanical work hours to help you get fully licensed while you work and get paid by the company. What a great way to launch your career as a fully licensed HVAC specialist. Visit RedbirdHVAC.com. That's Redbird Heating and Cooling. For the best in Italian cuisine in St. Louis, look no further than Paul Mano's, located in Chesterfield. It's traditional Italian cooking, and their best ingredient, it's their tradition. It's cooking like Paul's grandmother used to make and like his mother still prepares today. There are no corners cut at Paul Mano's, from greeting you at the door to the pasta you'll share with your family. Paul Mano's is committed to bringing you their very best anytime you share a meal at their place. It's Paul Mano's located in Chesterfield. Powers Insurance and Risk Management is a family-owned local business that's been helping our community for over 200 years. In the always confusing world of insurance, Powers Insurance provides clarity, exceptional service, and the latest in cutting edge products to deliver the highest quality in property and casualty coverage, as well as strategic planning consultation services. Powers Insurance and Risk Management will partner with you. That's right, partner with you to customize the right coverage for you and your family. Tim Davis, the Chief Operations Officer, will personally sit down and talk you through the ins and outs of your policies. They are experts at helping you control 
your workplace expenses and helping to guarantee the safety of you and your employees and their needs. You can visit them at powersinsurance.com. That's powersinsurance.com for all of your insurance needs. You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing. To connect with Jay, log on to jdelsinggolf.com. You'll see the latest in equipment, find the latest innovations in golf, and get tips from a PGA professional. That's jdelsinggolf.com. Hey, this is Jay Delsing for SSM Health Physical Therapy. Our golf program has the same screening techniques and technology as the pros on the PGA Tour use. SSM Health Physical Therapy has the Titleist Performance Institute trained physical therapists that can perform the TPI screening on you as well as use the KVEST 3D motion capture system. Proper posture, alignment, etc. can help you keep your game right down the middle. We have 80 locations in the St. Louis area. Call 800-518-1626 or visit them on the web at SSMPhysicalTherapy.com. Your therapy, our passion. There are always amazing stories that come out of the game of golf, and that's another one. Rob Labritz, really nice to visit with him. He was paired with Jay. First round of the Ascension Charity Classic. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. We're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Man, always amazing stories of how guys get to the PGA Tour, or in this case, the Champions Tour, PGA Tour Champions. So really nice to visit with him. Yeah, Dan, just a great guy and a great story and a great follow, folks, if you want to follow somebody and, and, and have someone to root for on the Champions Tour. But, Danny, what stuck, stuck out in my mind is that here's a guy that worked his way up to this. You know, never played on the PGA Tour, yeah. played a few uh, PGA championships because of the PGA America affiliation and, and more power to him, but not really a tour player and then, but, a, but a damn good player. And then waiting till you're 50 to go through this experience. And, and Danny, this kind of qualifying school tournament, it's not like any other event he's ever played in. And for him to go out and ball that hard and win that tournament is just, I mean, it's it, hats off, man. When you think you're a club pro and to get to this level because club pros have to put so much time into merchandise, the members, their ownership, lessons, lessons. all that stuff. Do you? So, so you, right. you can't work on your game. No. So that's a lot of credit to him too. I know one of the things that uh, you talked about there, the Met section, you love it, and that's something that is very important to you too. It is. You know, we, we, Allie Wells runs her Gateway section here, and I'm I'm really committed to trying to help her and help our local pros to to get to just have better events run for our section to help them continue to play the game, play the game at a high level. We got a lot of good players in this section. And so, and it's all, um, it's, it's a process. It's going to take a minute, but we can, we can, um, get some really nice events for our guys to play in and keep them sharp and keep them playing good golf because it's going to help their, their experience with the members and help them increase the pleasure of all their members playing the game better. Like Mike Tucker over at Bell Reef, he's stud. He and his brother Jared, they play great. And, you know, he's he's a guy who loves the game too, D. He does a lot to grow the game. And that's a, the one thing that I always 
point to is that these guys are putting in, and gals, putting in so much time and work to make the game of golf a lot better for us and our kids and, and everybody around St. Louis. So appreciate them. Um, when do I get to give Avery McLaughlin the shout out? Uh, you can do Would it right now. Be a good time? You can do it right now. Okay, so I'm going to ask the proud dad. You, you are teaching who, her. Who won the district high school girls championship at Westboro by three strokes? That would be my daughter, Avery McLaughlin, with a birdie on 18 to seal it up. So you And this was on Monday. And so I can tell the folks that, yes, I'm very, very proud. And, and it, all the credit goes to her and to you for putting in so much time with her to make her a better player. And then she's put in the time uh, to get better. So I'm, I'm very proud of her. And this is something that she's worked for since she's been a, a very little girl. So I'm very, very proud of her. But uh, Jay is giving me, I'm at my golf tournament. I'm running around <laughs> saying hello to people, trying to be a nice host. And Jay's giving me updates, the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm like, we got a 12-footer for par. I'm all nervous over here. You know? I was so nervous. So good. And she just stands up there and she just... She's got such a powerful swing, and playing over at Westboro, it's a great golf course, but they've got it playing pretty short for the for the girls. They've got to move a lot of girls through, you know, through the course in a timely fashion, and it's not easy. And so she's meandering her picking and choosing, and I think she only hit one driver over there I think all she day did. long. Yeah, and um, so it's it's. You know, not what I would call an ideal golf course for Avery because she's so powerful, and this is her dialing back on every every single tee shot. But man, God bless her; she just she, she puts in the work, man. man. She competes. I'm very, very proud of yeah. her, and I love her very yeah. much. Yeah, yeah um, obviously. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you what's a, a blessing and a curse as a parent or as a coach: golf genius. Oh yeah! Oh. You could follow online what your what your kid is doing, oh. and you're just waiting for it to refresh. Your palms are sweaty. You're like, "What's taking so long?" It's a blessing and a curse. I know. You're like, "They should be finished with the third <laughs> hole by now." I can't stand it. I must have driven my parents crazy watching you know watching the computer when you know we were out <laughs> out at six thirty in the morning and the TVs weren't on yet. Oh my man. Yeah, I, it's a tough way to watch, man. So our guest coming up is going to be Steve Flesh as we go from uh, Rob LaBritz, who competed at the Ascension, to the guy that won it. And uh, we talked about this in our first segment, but I can't wait to ask him not only about winning, but winning with your son on the bag. You know, I'm so proud of my daughter and my other son. And I'm, I'm proud of all my kids. They're all athletic and, and do different things, and I'm proud of them. I try to just stay in the background, and it's all them. They put in the work. But I'm sure for his son, and he, he talked about – having other, or he has talked about it in the past, but having other members of his family on his bag and hasn't won. I remember him saying that after the Ascension. So I want to ask him, what was it like to have your son on the bag and realize walking up 18, I'm going to win this thing and I got my kid next to me. That's pretty cool. Oh, Danny, I can't even imagine as a parent. And the other thing is, is Griffin has carried a bag for Fred Couples in one tournaments before. And so, you know, it's like, come on, dad, let's go. When are we, you and I got to knock one off. So, I can't imagine what that had to feel like standing on the 18th green, getting to hug your son and get get Nick Ragone to come over here and drop a big fat check on you in a trophy. Pretty nice. Really nice. I have asked our previous guests that are lefties, Steve Flesh is a lefty, if they started right-handed. Now, you began golf playing with your mom's clubs. You yep. would just grab anything you could find, hit yep. the ball. Yep. Hey, it's mom's clubs. I don't care. I'm learning the game. Right. But I wonder if Steve, I want to get into this, if he began – as a righty, I, I think he's natural righty, so he might be ambidextrous, but he's he's playing lefty. I've seen guys that hit the ball lefty 
and then putt righty, and I've seen guys hit right-handed, yep. and then putt left-handed. I've seen it both. I can tell you what I, you know, without asking him, I bet you Steve Flesch was a great athlete. I, I just bet he looks was too. like he's been around a ball his entire life. But not necessarily a golf ball. I bet you he can play some hoops. I bet you he can hit a baseball, uh, all that stuff. He just, ever ever since I've met him, he just looks like one of these guys that knows how to play. And he seems like a late bloomer. He went to the University of Kentucky, yep. and then he played on a bunch of different tours. Like we yep. talked about earlier, yep. you, you got to earn it yep. to get to the PGA Tour, which he did. And now on PGA Tour Champions, but you, you find that in sports, Jay, and it, it, it happens all the time. Don't give up on players. Don't give up on kids. I don't care what sport you're talking about because there are so many late bloomers. Maybe it's growing into your body late. Maybe it's the mental side of sports. Many now use psychologists, but yep. you can't give up on these late bloomers, man. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, your son, Luke, is, in my opinion, yes. is a late bloomer, and you just, you just don't know what things are going to come your way and if you stay diligent and you stay uh, with the, keep that resolve, like like I know, well I know Steve Flesh has strong resolve. Steve Flesh is one one of the coolest guys. He he was on the Golf Channel for a while. We got to work together with uh, uh, with Fox, and I always listened to him. And he 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 worked really hard. He um, when we were doing TV, you know, you just don't stand there right. and pick things up. And so I was put the a, work in, man. Yeah, I was a newbie. I mean, what you do with with your Cardinal stuff and and bringing all these stories to light because baseball is such a slow game. You have all this time. You did that so beautifully. Steve did a lot of work like that too, and he's a smart guy. You know, he's just not. Oh, let me hit the ball. He he's he's he he gets the financial piece behind it. He gets the business side of it, and then then he has the family side. It's a, I can't wait to talk to him about this stuff. Final round sixty two to close out the Ascension Charity Classic. I, I'm curious, just in a, a general sense, you've done this before. He's done it before. Obviously, the final round of the Ascension. Other golfers. Uh, you know, countless guys at that level have done it. But to be in the zone, when you just feel, I, I guess, that every putt is going down and everything you hit is pure, and you just feel great when you're on the course, when you're it, in the it, zone like that. It's been a minute for me, Danny, but did you see a start? It was incredible. It was like, what was he, like six under after seven holes or yes. something like that? And then he birdied eight? I mean, he just, yeah, he... he um I can't wait to ask him. I mean, because what's that, it like you, though to be in the zone like that? You just don't get many days like that, you know. And so, what what happens is, for me, is that everything slows down. You know, it's like you're breathing, you're hyped to the max. You've got all this adrenaline, but all of a sudden, it, it just seems to slow down mentally, and the whole, just the pathway to what you're trying to do seems so apparent, you know. And then you also have this calmness inside that's like i'm doing this i'm doing this i'm it's, it's like a lot of the a lot of the anxiety just levels off you yeah. know and you get this quiet and and then you start hitting these putts and you're like oh that went in and oh that shot oh it got a good bounce and went and that went right next to the hole you know he i think he said when i talked to him off the air i think on the second hole he eagled the second hole from like hit it 
two feet from the hole. Yeah. You know, and that I mean, hole location me, was ridiculous. Yeah, you talked to him basically right after the Ascension Charity Classic, yeah. and he was talking about that particular yep. hole and that particular shot. You were telling me about that. Yeah, and he's like, I made it, I made it, you know, birdie the first, and then went, a hole, went ahead and made an eagle at the second, and I'm like, you what? eagle the second where that hole was? <laughs> right. I mean, it was crazy, so... Yeah, I mean, you just don't get days like that. One one year in Memphis on Sunday, I shot sixty one, and it was like, Danny, I just, I, I just wanted to keep playing. I just want, hope so I didn't run out of. So is it the putting that you know the the hole seems like it's as big as the ocean, or it, is it, it, it how you hit it? What you all know, what of it, happened? All of it, yeah, all of it. It's like nothing bothers you. You know, you may hit an occasional shot. I didn't hit many bad shots at all. I didn't really have any. I didn't make any bogeys that day, and didn't really have any. I don't think I had a putt over three feet for par. Wow. It was just one of those days, you know, and then I, I chipped the ball in when when I was in kind of a, a tough spot on a par five, and it, instead of hoping to get it close to make a, a, a birdie, you chip it in and make an eagle. It's almost like stealing two shots. Sure. You know, and you just, all of, all of a sudden, there's this wave of momentum that you really, really try to care about you know you don't want you know yeah you don't want to we don't want to take unnecessary risk just get me on the green because i'm probably gonna make it yeah you know what i mean and then with that mentality then you have those other days where like not forget get me on the green i gotta stick it you know two feet from the hole or else i won't get it in and you have and that those days go to 74s on you like like you can't believe as we wrap up this segment i asked you about this i followed him a little bit at the Ascension, and that's Bernard Langer, and I'm going to ask Steve about it, and I asked a lot of the PGA Tour champions guys about it. They're just shocked at what he's still able to do at his age, the shape that he keeps himself in, how he hits the ball, his model of consistency. It is pretty amazing to see what he's doing. Uh, I, I can't take enough hats off for Bernard. And what I mean, if you watch that putting stroke, it's incredible. It make coffee nervous. That thing jumps all over the place. He's and he battled the yips. Danny, multiple times. Remember, this is a guy that won the Masters with his right hand locked into his left forearm, holding the grip end of the putter. And he won the Masters. Try putting like that. You want to talk about no feel. I mean, yes. it is like, like your hand's brick-like, and you're just trying to keep it from, from jumping off you know, on you. And... Um, he, he keeps himself in great shape. He's he's such a strategist and such a point A to point B player. And his consistency with his ball striking is ridiculous. He just doesn't make many errors. Yeah. He doesn't make many tactical That's errors. That's what I noticed. His management of the course was Re- second to none. Yep. He gets himself around the golf course like no one. I thought Corey Pavin did an, an unbelievable job at that, which he did. Your former college teammate. Yeah, and, and a, a former U.S. Open champion. Bernard Langer puts him to shame. It's ridiculous how how strong Bernard is and still doing it. He's won over 100 tournaments around the world, Danny. Wow. It's amazing. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Our thanks to Rob Labritz. And coming up, we visit with Steve Flesh, who won the Ascension Charity Classic. You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing. From the Car Shield Studios, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Darty Business Solutions has been enhancing the business of our customers for the last 37 years. How do we do it? Through our expertise in technology, better use of data and analytics, 
artificial intelligence, and machine learning. We roll up our sleeves and collaborate. We build applications and effectively communicate with our partner clients to bring their goals and objectives to the finish line. Our award-winning Access Point program is a community game changer. With nearly 100 students in the program, mostly young African-American females are making between $55,000 and $60,000 per year right out of high school. That's right, fifty-five dollars to $60,000 a year right after high school graduation. That's when they begin their training. CEO Ron Darty believes the talent is equally distributed, but access to that opportunity is not. So here's Access Point, providing more and more opportunity for those in and around our community. It's Darty Business Solutions. Get ready to watch the legends of golf up close when they compete at historic Norwood Hills Country Club right here in St. Louis. The Ascension Charity Classic will be back again with some of golf's biggest names. Steve Stricker, Padraig Harrington, John Daly, David Duvall, Bernard Longer, Ernie Els, and more will return September 3rd through the 8th at Norwood Hills. All tournament proceeds go to area charities serving North St. Louis County youth and families. Sponsorship opportunities, pro-am foursomes, and more information available for you at ascensioncharityclassic.com. This is Adam Betts from Family Golf and Learning Center located in Kirkwood. Our motto is play your best golf. We have the best instruction for every skill level. Two female instructors along with our eight PGA instructors. We're there for the kids and the adults who are starting to play and trying to refine their game. Family Golf and Learning Center features a double-decker driving range, grass tees, and a short game area, along with indoor simulators and a performance center. That's not all. Don't forget about our back nine, Bar and Grill. Find out how we can help you and your family. Head to FamilyGolfOnline.com. That's FamilyGolfOnline.com. It's Family Golf and Learning Center, where we make St. Louis better at golf. Are you driving an out-of-warranty car? It's only a matter of time before your out-of-warranty vehicle is in the shop costing you thousands of dollars. Auto repair costs are up nearly 20% from last year, which is four times the rate of inflation. If an unexpected breakdown happened today, would you be ready for that? Well, now you can be with a plan through CarShield. Even if your car is just over three years old, it's still prone to expensive costs. Your car is more than just getting you from point A to point B. Traveling by car is a way of life. From picking up your kids to going to a new restaurant, cars are a daily essential. When you enroll in a car protection plan through CarShield, you can look forward to the following. The price will never go up no matter how many claims you file or no matter how high the mileage on your car increases. CarShield offers protection plans that start as low as $100 per month. That's $100 per month. They have repair coverage for up to 5,000 different parts of your vehicle. Plus, when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road, you get 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance. You also get complimentary towing and rental car options. CarShield has my back when my car breaks down, and they can have yours too. Call CarShield today at 800-465-6550 or visit carshield.com. It's CarShield, proud sponsor of the Golf with Jay Delsing Show.
Coming to you from the Car Shield Studios, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions, along with Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and what a privilege it is to visit with the champion of the Ascension Charity Classic a few weeks ago, and that is Steve Flesh. Steve, congratulations, and thanks for being a part of the show. I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you guys for asking me. Steve, it was so great to see you. I, I don't even know where to start, man. I mean, you had your son Griffin on the bag. You you shot a 61 the last day. And let's just uh, talk a little bit about the week for you, what it was like. You know, I didn't I didn't get in town till Wednesday. I, st- I decided to stay home an extra uh, couple days, uh, mainly because I was fam- I'm familiar with Norwood Hills from playing it the past couple years. And this time of year, we've played so many events, like like three and four in a row, that I just was like trying to sneak a couple extra days at home. But it also helps me just kind of be more refreshed when you know when tournament time comes that I'm a little better rested. But I got in town Wednesday. And, uh, on the flight over, um, I was just thinking about my golf swing and kind of what's been going on for the, with the year I've, I've had a decent year, but it's just been a little erratic ball striking. Wasn't great. And, uh, I just kind of was thinking, and as you know, from playing, I was basically taking my ball flight and, Working backwards. Sorry, that's my horse Weimar. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like he could t- carry you off over there. That's great. He uh, he doesn't like the neighbor's dog, so he's he always warns it when it comes outside. But uh, um, I was thinking backwards, you know, like the ball flight laws. What what causes the ball to shape a certain way? And I've kind of had the same kind of a cutty, wipey miss going, and I just was thinking back, like what's producing that and Ultimately, I decided I'm not getting behind the ball enough. So um, I just was focusing on my shoulder turn. Uh, When I got there Wednesday, hit some balls on the range, you know, hit about two or three bags of balls, and and my path was better and the contact was better. So I had something to build on for the week. And and ultimately, that was the difference maker. I had had one of my best weeks in a couple years striking it, and – you know, and the putter showed up, and that was really the difference all week. I mean, to shoot 19 under for three days, you got to make some putts, and, and the putter was certainly hot, especially on Sunday. Steve, as uh, Jay alluded to, your son was on the bag. How emotional was that to have your son there on that 18th green and you finish it up and a big hug for your son? Man, Dan, it was um, it was special for a number of reasons, but one, I – the main one is we hadn't won together in, in, in any capacity when he's been caddying for me. He's caddied for me dozens of times in, you know, professional events, whether it was, you know, corn Ferry tour, you know, a few years back when I was just turning 50, trying to get ready to, to play the champions tour. He's caddied for me a number of times on the champions tour because my caddy, has had some back issues and had some surgery. So he was out and, and Griffin was helping out. But, but you know, the other thing is it's kind of the year of the Stevens winning on our tour, Stricker, Auker, Ames, and myself. And, and as we all know, Stricker's won with every family member on the bag, his wife, two daughters. I mean, you know, his brother-in-law, Mario Tiziani. I mean, he's keeping the money in the family. I got to give him credit for that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Stephen Ames and Stephen Auker both won this year with their sons on the bag. So 
I kind of had double the pressure. I needed to get the win for the Stevens and the, and the Suns, but at the same time, I never won with Griffin. So the fact that we pulled it off last week, or uh, excuse me, a couple weeks ago in St. Louis was phenomenal. It was just, I'll tell you what, though, I was adding pressure to myself. When I got off to that fast start on Sunday, I was like, oh, wow, I got no excuses now. <laughs> I was so, going to ask you that, too. How do you deal with having that lead on, let's say, a back nine on that final day, and it's exactly where you're going, but you know, you, you're in control of the tournament. How do you deal with uh, the pressure of that? I guess it's a different type of pressure for you. It's good type of pressure for sure, but it's, and Jay knows this from playing competitively. When you get off to a start like that, I mean, you start having all kinds of things run through your head. You know, I'm thinking about, oh, wow, maybe this is the week that Griff and I do it. You know, I, I basically just figured if I could if I could make two birdies on the back nine, having, I think, a three or a four shot lead at the time, that I would probably it would probably be enough. But, you know, the other thing is my good buddy, Kevin Sutherland, who I guess I he ended up birdie in 17 and 18 to finish three behind me. I mean, I know Kevin just from playing. He can go crazy. He. He needed a part, I think, the final hole at the Dick Sporting Goods tournament a few years ago to shoot 58. He made he three-putted to shoot 59. And, I'm, you know, Kevin's one of these kind of guys who can get it going, too. So I, need, I knew I couldn't just relax and, and coast in. I knew I needed to make at least a couple birdies on the back nine to give myself some breathing room. So it all worked out great, but at the same time, I think whenever you're trying to win a golf tournament, there's always an uneasy feeling because the whole complexion of the tournament can change with one bad swing or one bad hole. Well, Fleshy, we've also done this to ourselves so many times where we've had, you know, things so closely to our grasp and then watched it kind of flitter away with, a, with like you said, either a, you know, a poor commitment or a bad swing or, or a little combination of both. All those thoughts run through your head. Then I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll confess. I mean, you know, like on 12 or 13, I'm starting to think like, you know, what might I say if, you know, if we do win this about Griff after the tournament, so I'm like, I'm like, dude, get off of that. Get back to what you're doing. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you got a lot of time between shots out there. And I'll admit, I started daydreaming about the aftermath if I do win. And I'm like, golly, man, you know how this works. Yep. Keep your mind on your business and, you know, think about this maybe in an hour and a half when you're walking up 18. So uh, I'm glad it worked out, but man, I played good. And, uh, you know, Griff and I more than anything had a great walk the whole week. Fleshy, talk, talk to us a little bit about the back nine there at Norwood. We've worked really hard to get the community involved and St. Louis has responded. But as a player to see that much hospitality, especially on the Champions Tour, it's pretty cool. It, you know, it is. It's. It, it's. I think this is maybe the third or fourth year that we played there at Norwood. Um, sorry, I'm. I'm horrible with with dates and my memory wanes at times. But every year we've been there in St. Louis, the, the community support's been fantastic. You know, it's that whole area of I think nine, ten. Uh, I think it's thirteen coming back up the hill. There's always a ton of people there. And then, you know, 18's always got a lot of people around, um, you know, just supporting. And actually, it, St. Louis reminds me a lot of Cincinnati, basically where I'm from, northern Kentucky. I live 10 minutes from downtown Cincy. And it's they're great sports towns. And, you know, with whether it's the Reds, the Cardinals, you know, the Bengals, the St. Louis Blues hockey. I mean, it's passionate fans. And you could tell that. Uh, the people of St. Louis appreciated, you know, having having the Champions Tour event there. It's great for the community, does a lot for charity, and 
and certainly his fans of St. Louis showed out for the week and, and they have every year. So it was a, it was, it's a fun time. It's, it's a great event and Norwood Hills is a great host. So we, you know, as players, you know, we all appreciate being welcomed in such a great capacity. Steve Flesh is our guest. He's the champion of this year's Ascension charity classic. He's also a lefty. I'm curious growing up, did you try right-handed it seems like you always hear about right-handed golfers but they're natural lefties so then they go back to being a lefty so I'll, I'll just ask you how did it all come about for you i'm i'm a weirdo i'll be admit with, <laughs> I'll, I'll admit with with how it came about for me so my dad was a righty i just started playing righty because he was a righty you know and and i shot a basketball right-handed because he did i played tennis right-handed basically because that's what he did and then I realized I bat left-handed in baseball, and uh, which was my first passion. I mean, I if I could have played baseball for a living, I would have. Yes, golf turned out great, but baseball was always my passion. But I, I pitched left-handed in baseball, and I batted lefty. I was forced to choose when I played in high school whether to play golf or baseball because they're both spring sports. I chose golf naturally because – I was probably a little bit better at it, but I, I didn't have a choice. I had to I had to choose one, but I did start playing golf right-handed because of my dad too. And then we were playing with my uncle who was a lefty. Um, I was probably twelve, I guess, maybe nine or uh, eleven or twelve. And I just said, "Hey, you know, my uncle Ken." I said, "Do you mind if I hit one? You hit one of your you know your clubs?" And it was just so much easier. And I'm thinking, <laughs> "All right, Dad, I'm a lefty now," but uh, you know. Back that would have been, you know, back in in like nineteen the late nineteen seventies, left handed equipment wasn't readily available. I mean, and it wasn't good either. It was always like the the bottom, you know, kind of line of every company's stuff because it was like, yeah, lefties, we'll just give them something. We're not going to worry about the technology in it. But my grandfather was a rep for McGregor Sporting Goods, and he said, yeah, we got some Jack Nicklaus Golden Bear, you know irons and and woods and he got me a set of those and that was it man i was a lefty full time but you know it was a challenge and and I, you know it's it's funny i i say i'm a little weird because i don't do anything one particular way i think i'm very ambidextrous but i eat right right-handed but i throw left-handed you know and i kick left-footed shoot pull right-handed i'm all messed up <laughs> but it's, it's basically I kind of did it because that's I emulated how people did things growing up. And if they shot a basketball right-handed, I just figured I'd shoot a basketball right-handed, even if it didn't necessarily feel right. And I became pretty proficient with both hands. And I think, you know, as we all know, you got to have some good hand-eye coordination to play sports. But, you know, I was blessed with good hand-eye coordination and, and being able to put the bat on the ball, the club on the ball. And uh, I was a good shooter in basketball, so – I'm not claiming I was a great athlete, but, you know, for a little kid, I was pretty good. But, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun growing up, but I ultimately decided left-handed's the way I'm going to go. Fleshy, we've had some really cool guests on the show that, that talked about the way they grew up. And a lot of them, uh, especially Jack Nicholas, was talking about how as soon as the weather changed as a kid, he put the golf clubs away and got the basketball out, got the football out. It sounds like that was a little bit about you know, how you grew up as well. You probably grew up the same way. Fall is football or, you know, basketball, winter's basketball. Then it came golf and tennis in the summer or what have you. I, I It saddens me because I see kids nowadays 
that you have to basically declare your sport when you're in like early grade school. You know, like if you don't, if you don't say, Hey, I'm going to be full-time soccer, you get shunned because you don't get like put on select teams. You don't consider to play, you know, play certain teams year round baseball. I'm like year round baseball. It doesn't, I don't even know how you do that in Kentucky because you have, you have four months where you can't even go outside to, you know, to do anything, but that's kind of the way the world is now. And I, I think, um, you know, I had a niece who was a great, uh, a volleyball player. Well, she blew her shoulder out when she was 16, you know, because that's all she did. And I just find kids growing up need to be well-rounded. They need to use all parts of their body to develop and strengthen. And when you're just declaring like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be a baseball player when I'm 12 years old. I just think you miss out on the experience of being on, you know, other teams, playing other sports, you know, enjoying different things. And it's so competitive now. It just, it saddens me because I think kids miss out on enjoying all sports and just, you know, I think they get burnt out on one sport, but I was lucky growing up. My dad, you know, he exposed me to all of it. Uh, my family encouraged me to play it, play all of it. And I was decent at all of it. I wasn't a superstar uh, by any means, but um, I enjoyed it. And like Jack Nicholas, man, I put the clubs away in the winter because there was, you know, I didn't even think about it till we had spring tryouts for the golf team. I, I wish more, more kids were able to do that now and it wasn't forced upon them kind of in our culture how this guy's going to be the next Michael Jordan, the next Tiger Woods, the next Tom Brady. I mean, you got to, you know, we all know those, you know, you're declaring a kid the next this is an awful, an awful lot of pressure and it very rarely turns out, but that's kind of the way of the world. That's so well put. Steve Flesh is our guest, the winner of this year's Ascension Charity Classic. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're kind of a late bloomer, went to the University of Kentucky. You played in a handful of professional events when you got out of there. Then you kind of bounced around on some different tours. So, number one, were you a late bloomer? And two, how did you get over the hump to become the player that you are today? Man, that's a good question, Dan. I uh, When I got out of Kentucky, I only won a couple tournaments in college. I was pretty good, but, you know, I, I kind of fought the driver a little bit. I, you know, I was a little erratic with it. Um, great chipper and putter because I had to be, cause I wasn't that long of a, <laughs> a hitter, you know? Um, but I got a marketing degree and I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to go to work just yet. Um, so I, I, I basically, I think I graduated in December of 91 and in Jan, like the second week of January and Jay knows about this. I decided to pay to play the Asian tour. And at that time you just, I'm not going to go through the whole history here, but I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to work just yet. I'm going to pay. I think it was like $12,000 to play this Asian tour. And it basically was like signing up for a cruise, you know, you, <laughs> you, all your, all your, all your hotels were paid for your flights were paid for your entry fees and 12 or 11 or 12 national opens over on the Asian tour. Uh, were paid for and you just had to cover food and caddies and and at that time if you just had the money you were in you know there was there was some Monday qualifying but it wasn't like there was a Q school for it at that time or not and you basically got all these tournaments and that's I did that for for five years because every time I came home in the fall to go to Q school I screwed it up you know I couldn't get through second stage and it took me seven years to get through Q school and then finally in 97 I got through Q school and played the, uh, you know, the, the Nike tour and 
and somehow finished fourth on that money list and got my tour card and kept my card for basically, you know, 15 years and, and very lucky, very fortunate, but I wasn't ready to go to work. So I had to give golf a shot and, and I was persistent. I thought about quitting playing every November because I, you know, I, whenever you fail in golf, you all, you know, I'm, I'm a realist. I'm not a doom and gloomer all the time, but I'm certainly not lollipops and gumdrops. But, uh, you know, I just was like, you know what? I still think I'm good enough. And, uh, I kept at it and that's, you know, it, it took me seven years to get out there to play. And I would say I'm definitely a late bloomer, but I'm glad I stuck with it. I'm more of the rainbows and butterflies and unicorns over here. Fleshy, <laughs> so I got you covered on that, but, but I want to talk and ask you a little bit about, the Champions Tour Q School, because that's Mission Impossible. I don't know how you get through that thing. You know, and that's a product, too, of only being 78 guys each week on uh, playing. There's no, you know, it's not a it's not a big field, so spots are limited for sure, but it's a tough deal. I think it's a couple, it's a couple stages. Only five get their cards, and, you know, when only five guys get your cards, it's, and it's four rounds, there's not much margin for error. It's like, it's like playing these three round events each week. I mean, it's a sprint, you know, it's not like that. It, there's such a big difference between three round tournaments and four round tournaments in terms of what you can and can't do to have a chance of winning. And the Q school is kind of that same way. It's, I mean, as you, you know, it's, it's any Q school you go to, you got to eliminate your, your mistakes and, and you got to have a great week because there's so many good players there. And, and access to the champions tour is definitely difficult. And, and, um, I just don't see it getting any easier. I mean, in my five years of, or six years, almost of playing on this tour, it's changed so much. Like my first couple of years out, I thought this was the greatest tour in the world. Cause it was so chill. So relaxed. You got finished. There were actually guys sharing beers, you know, in like family dining, you know, after the tournaments. And now these, I'll tell you, it's these damn guys like Mike Weir, Jim Furyk, Darren Clark. I say damn because they these guys are grinders and they work hard. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm joking, but, you know, all of a sudden guys started practicing after the rounds now. And, and people are looking at them like, what are you doing, man? You're making this too serious. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, I mean, you see it's so competitive now. VJ Singh, I mean, he still hits more balls than every, anybody, but it's just like, the vibe has kind of gotten way, gotten way more serious than it was six years ago. And I'm not saying it's bad, but man, is it way more competitive now? I mean, it's the culture has, has become more PGA tour like versus easy going fun. It's not a retirement tour anymore. I mean, yes, there's good money there still, but it's, it's just more serious now than it was six years ago. And, not not saying it's bad, but I don't think that was the intent of the tour way back when, you know, they they started the tour with Nicholas Palmer player, you know, Trevino to keep them in the game of golf. I mean, I think we're still ambassadors for the game uh, and for the PGA Tour. But at the same time, I'm like, man, it's gotten serious out there and a lot harder to win. Steve Flesh, our guest and the winner of the Ascension Charity Classic. And the name that you didn't mention was Bernard Longer. Are guys just amazed at what he's doing week in and week out? I I don't get it. I mean, I, I <laughs> he, it's 
he's like a cyborg, I call it. You know, I mean, he's got that that German mentality where he's very structured, very disciplined. He's got, you know, like the Terminator type voice, all that stuff. But to do do what he's doing, it is he 65 or yeah, I, 65. I, 60, I've, I've lost track. But um, I mean, he's an anomaly. Everybody's like, oh, I hope I play till 65. I'm like, you guys have no clue what it takes to to stay in as good a shape as he is, the discipline. I mean, he's overcome the yips, you know, a handful of times, and he's still a fantastic player. But his ball striking, I think, is is so underrated. I mean, he just – he doesn't make mistakes to where he can't get the ball up and down. He's always missing in the right spots when he misses. And, and I think that's just a credit to, you know – his game just hasn't deteriorated at the level that most most guys' games do when they get in their 50s and 60s. He's just – that's a mental discipline too. But what he's done out there is remarkable. It, you know, Hale Irwin's the same way. I mean, he just kept playing the same game over and over again, and I think he's, his mental strength is what kept him competitive for so long. And, you know, I don't have that mental strength. I, I fly <laughs> off the handle too easily. But, you know – those guys, it's – I don't know if you can teach that. I think so much of that is in them. I mean, you can you can go through the steps to try and learn to become a great player, but, you know, not everybody has the mental fortitude to just stick with it and not get ahead of themselves and get ticked off at times and, and be patient. And those guys are just blessed with, you know – and Tiger Woods, same way. I mean, mentally, they're just stronger. Jack Nicklaus, it's it's – if you could bottle it up and sell it, I think you'd become a millionaire so quickly. But those guys, they're just they're a different breed, you know, and it's it's neat to watch. It's fun to compete against. But, um, you know, you just kind of have to marvel at the success of Bernard Langer out there. It's it's crazy. Fleshy, you know, I don't play anymore and I got to play this year, which was a real thrill. And I get paired the first day with Rob LeBritz, great guy. And. Richard Green, another great guy. But I don't know either one of these two guys, right? So I, I'm, I'm hitting third off the first hole. Well, LeBritz hits it 50 yards from the green, right down the middle with that ugly green ball, yellow green ball that he's using, <laughs> you know. And, and, and then Richard stands up there and just kind of hits this thing. It looks like it's going to go out there about 245 that flies the left bunker, you know, and it's about 75 yards out. And I just wanted to head back to the car. Where I'm going with this is the difference, and again, I don't play, but I'm 62, they're 50 and 51, and I was like, I feel like I'm 120 compared to these guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's strange, too, because equipment has changed so much of everything. I mean, I still hit it as far now as I did when I was on tour, mainly because of the driver and the ball. I don't think my club head speed has gone down a whole lot, but I think whatever I've lost, I've gotten that much help back from, you know, the low spinning ball and the low spinning driver. And if you can, I played with Kenny Perry on Saturday in St. Louis. He gets up on the first hole and drives it like down there where he can kick it on the green. And I'm like, dude, you're like 65. Come on. He, well, no, I'm just like, he outdrove me by, by 40 yards on number one. And I'm like, I'm not that short really <laughs> still. And, he, you know, and I'm like, he hasn't really played for two years for, you know, um, other reasons, but he's just like, 
he hasn't lost a step of distance at all. And it's amazing to me. And, and I get the, the argument about the ball and how far it's going when, when guys on our level are still hitting it that far, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, but, um, it's a, it's a good way to stay competitive because it's just, you know, technology's out there to help you. I don't know where it ends. I don't, I'm not even going to get in and debate on the ball and all that, but it's, uh, it's a wild deal anymore. How far guys are still hitting it at 50 years old and, and more it's, I mean, as you know, think how far we're still hitting it. What are those gorillas on tour doing? Yeah, well, that's I mean, where I it's really, insane. It, it's a, it's a joke. I mean, I, I just, I was watching some golf with a buddy and we're watching the 18th hole at, at Southwind in Memphis, where we played a ton of times, you and I, Jay, and, and they're hitting it over the trees on the left down there, 50 yards from the green. And I'm like, that is nuts. And they're not even thinking twice about where they're aiming that ball. And it's, it's just a different game. I can't say I like it more because I loved when the ball spun and curved and, you know, it, you had to, manage your way around the golf course now there's kind of no thought because you know i don't even consider a three wood off the tee anymore unless i'm just running out of distance because i don't hit a three wood straighter than my driver you know it's it's you might as well get it as close to the green as possible and i just i thought the old game of golf and i'm not going to go down back in the day (laughs) when we walked to school in the snow and all that yeah right both but uphill both ways i just think it was I just think the game had more nuance to it years ago where now it's just kind of like, it's like a boxing match. You just keep throwing punches in the last guy standing, you know, you still got to putt good, but I just don't think there's a whole lot of nuance to the game where balls get in trouble as quickly. The wind doesn't affect it now. And yeah, it's not that the game's worse. I just don't think that there's as much creativity now playing. Now, having said that, Tiger Woods still played like we did in the old days. He, you know, he curved the ball. He used the spinniest ball out there. He hit different shots, different trajectories. And I just don't see the guys doing that nowadays as much as we had to in the past. And I think that's the allure of the game and the beauty of the game that's kind of been lost with the equipment. Well, Steve, this has been a great visit with you. And congratulations on winning the Ascension Charity Classic and looking forward to seeing you back in St. Louis next year. Well, Dan, I can't wait. And uh, I love St. Louis. I can't wait to come back. And I appreciate uh, everything that Ascension does and you guys do for the tournament. And uh, I'm honored to be the champion this year. So definitely Griffin and I are enjoying are enjoying the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the celebration still of having won. That's great. Good luck the rest of the year, buddy. We're pulling for you here. Thank you, Jay and Dan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. That's Steve Flesh, the champion of the 2023 Ascension Charity Classic, and we're presented by Darty Business Solutions. Hey, St. Louis, Eddie McVeigh here from Maggie O'Brien's. When you head downtown for a concert or cards or blues game, and now for the St. Louis City soccer game, please come see us at Maggie O'Brien's before and after your event. Take our shuttle to and from or stay in-house and watch your favorite team on our multiple high-def TVs. We look forward to seeing you soon at one of our two locations in Sunset Hills on South Lindbergh or downtown at the corner of Market and 20th Street. Union Station is next to us. I want to welcome Redbird Heating and Cooling to the Golf with Jay Delsing show. You can reach them at 314-320-9507 or on the website redbirdhvac.com. 
CEOs Jed Dickinson and Jerry Pearson run the area's most responsive and dedicated heating and cooling company that's been conscientiously supporting the St. Louis area for the last decade. Just last month, when my air conditioner stopped working, Jed and his team were at my home at 7 a.m. to replace one unit and then repair the other. Your money, like it's our money, was Jed's statement to me, and the repairs for Unit 2 was less than $200. If you want to work with a family-owned business that you can trust, then call 314-320-9507 or visit them at redbirdhvac.com. That's redbirdhvac.com. This is Chris Nagel. you're listening to golf with jay delsing for the best in italian cuisine in st louis look no further than paul mano's located in chesterfield it's traditional italian cooking and their best ingredient it's their tradition it's cooking like paul's grandmother used to make and like his mother still prepares today there are no corners cut at paul mano's from greeting you at the door to the pasta you'll share with your family Paul Manos is committed to bringing you their very best anytime you share a meal at their place. It's Paul Manos located in Chesterfield. Heading down the stretch of golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN on a Sunday morning. That's Jay Delsing. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Rob LeBritz, our guest. And Steve Flesh just moments ago, and we're coming to you from the Car Shield Studios, presented by Darty Business Solutions. Really a fun visit with Steve Flesh. That was great. Uh, I, Danny, we've talked about this off air, but I mean the feeling of winning that tournament with your son, and dealing with talk how he. I loved how he talked about trying to keep it all together on the back nine. Yes, like I got a big lead, and then he talked about Kevin Sutherland, and Kevin Sutherland has the up the potential to just go off and and birdie everything and so you know you got to keep your foot on the gas you got to you got to keep the thing in front of you you know and he's he said he's battling all those thoughts he's like get out of there you know right. stop thinking of that i i just i loved it and you know what for someone that loves the communities like we you and i do we couldn't have better champions david thompson year one the great Padraig Harrington last year, but Steve Flesh, man, he is just such a super solid citizen and a supporter of the game. Good, good dude. And, um, really, really worthy champion. If there's a theme from this show is that there is a lot of talent on PGA tour champions. I mean, these are guys that are still on the regular tour, some of them, but man, the talent is getting better and better and better as you move forward here with the PGA tour champions. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, Fleshy talked a little bit about the technology and how the, I mean, the guys on the champions tour are hitting it 350 yards off the tee. I mean, I mean, that's just amazing. And so, yeah, I mean, I would have said when I was playing the re- regular tour, I was like, yeah, the Champions Tour is going to be fun, but it's not – I had no idea the level of, of compete. Well, now and how the they level, prepare. Danny. The practice. Look at them. Yeah. I mean, it's and, – and the guys, the 50-year-olds just come out there and they're in great shape and they're ready to go. Yeah. And it's – and it's. I've had guys say it's – well, I think Steve mentioned this, how the, that tour is changing from – yeah, it's pretty relaxed. Like uh, it, uh, it's getting a little sharper out yeah. there. The guys, you when you get a guy like Rob LeBritz and you get a guy like Richard Green, they really haven't made the sort of money that a 
well, like a guy like Fleshy, he's made in his career. He's had a f- wonderful career. Won what four times, five times, and 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 just a, such a solid player. These guys want it. Yep. There's a lot of money, and hey, what I like about a D is it's competition. And if you can't hang, go do something else. The uh, final thought that I had from this in following you at the PGA Tour Champions is that equipment needs to change some way, somehow, is that the equipment is starting to get bigger than what a course can hold. No, you no know, doubt. When you guys are pounding it like you are, I, I just can't imagine watching the P- – well, I watch it at the Bell Reeve uh, Championship, the PGA Championship at Bell Reeve. But the equipment, I don't know how you do it, but it's got to change a little bit because you're running out of land to extend some of these golf courses. There's no doubt, and I really think it's the driver. I think uh, the golf ball or the driver, There, there's got to be some – sense of modification there somehow. I mean, they have made it so easy to drive the ball now. I mean, it is the 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 460cc driver head. I mean, it's just it's it's so forgiving. The sweet spots the size of a quarter now where, you know, I swear I had some wooden head drivers that didn't have sweet spots cuz I couldn't find it. The and old persimmon so driver. The old persimmon drivers, man. And and it it just something's going to have to give, Danny, or else on the regular PGA Tour, you're going to see 400-yard drives, and they're going to be relatively ordinary before too long, maybe in the next five years. Hey, this is a great show. Our thanks to Rob Labritz, also to Steve Flesh, who won the Ascension Charity Classic. Always fun to be with you, Jay. And uh, we got to run, so how do we end the show? Hit them straight, St. Louis.